Just when I guessed you could not sink any lower, you're listening to the Rish Outcast. Murder Town, Murder Town, we're going down to Murder Town. If you're down to Southern California way, there's a place where you should never stay. It's Murder Town, Murder Town, Murder Town, Murder Town, Murder, 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 Murder Town, Murder Town. Hello folks, this is Rich Outfield, and I've got a little episode for you today of the Rich Outcast. They can't all be these long, sprawling, sprawling, they can't all be these long, sprawling, interminable episodes. Some have to be short. There was a story that I recorded just the other day, and uh, editing it, it came down to like 15 minutes, the story, and I thought, wow. Do I dare do a whole episode on a 15? And I, before I had even asked myself that question, I said, no, I don't, I don't know. know. I have recorded so many stories in 2021 in preparation for putting them in one of four audio collections that I'm intending to release in 2021. It'll be the end of the day, like one in the morning or something like that. And I'll say, I have enough energy to record another little story. I mean, as long as it's little. Uh, unfortunately, last night, it was the only writing that I got done for the whole day was the story that you're about to hear. You know, I looked it over and there was one little section that I thought, oh, I should expand on that. And uh, I started so late at night that by the time I was done, I just, it was, okay, I'm going to bed now. I didn't end up with many words for the day, but uh, I've got this story and I thought, well, surely I've done this as an episode before. So here's the thing. So this story is from 2013. I was sure that I had put it out. And if I hadn't put it out as a, an episode, I had at least put it out so people could buy it. You know, just the, the little story on Amazon, but... I couldn't find it. I had a file that I had created for Amazon, yet it wasn't on Amazon. I don't know what happened on it. All I know is I've got a headache right now and it's preventing me from thinking. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let the story play and then either come back later or uh, just force myself to, to podcast with a headache. The story I'm presenting this episode is called Murder Town, One Mile. I'm sorry, there have just been these lengthy pauses that I'm having to cut out. So yeah, I'm just going to run the story. I hope that you enjoy it. Seems doubtful, but I'll talk to you on the other side. And yeah, I, th I think I'm just going to have to shut this down and come back when I'm feeling a little better. Uh, meet you then. Murder Town One Mile by Rish Outfield Thomas had taken a wrong turn, obviously. He even thought he knew where it had been, back on I-79 when he turned right at the sign that said Hemet 22, despite his directions saying to stay on the interstate. Now he was driving through desert and farmland and winding mountain roads that were unmarked, but at least somewhat paved. 
He'd considered turning back around several times, but was stubborn and hated to backtrack. And he had to be getting close by now, right? He got to the top of a ridge, and down below saw a little town where the road seemed to end. He knew this wasn't Hemet, but he decided to go there and find out where, exactly, he was. He was low on gas, even though he'd filled up the day before, and that had only been, what, three hundred miles? As he neared the end of the road, he saw a green sign reading, Murder Town, One Mile, Approach with Caution. He blinked as he passed by the sign. No, it, it couldn't have said murder. Behind him, a police car was flashing its blue and reds. He swore and pulled over, though he couldn't have been speeding. Thomas hadn't even made it to the town yet. Maybe he could ask the officer for directions. The cop came over to the side of his car, a young guy, maybe twenty-five, maybe a lot younger. Hello there, sir the policeman said. He was smiling, but he wore those mirrored sunglasses, cop sunglasses, and Thomas couldn't tell if the smile made it to his eyes or not. From Oregon, are you? Thomas nodded, though the man had pronounced it Oregon, which nobody from there did. He shifted in his seat and fished out his wallet. That's right. You can put that away, sir. I just needed to stop you before you got too close. Close? Thomas asked, squinting up at the policeman. Close to you? The cop glanced in the back seat, seemingly more bored than suspicious. Traveling alone? Yes, I, I was looking for Hemet, but I got off track. I'd say. Hemet's probably thirty miles northwest of here. The young man gestured back the way he'd come. You just turn around, head back to La Paz Road, where the school's at. Turn right, and head north. I didn't see any signs. Yeah, there should be some on La Paz. Okay. Thank you, officer. The cop leaned in just a bit. So, hey, if you're heading to Hemet, you need to turn around now, before you get to the city limits. Thomas looked ahead, to the town in front of him. It was a small farming community, with cows and a tractor and what might have been a grain silo. And a gas station, right off the main road. Right. Thanks for your help. The cop didn't move. The thing is that there is murder town. Uh-huh. I saw the sign. Then Thomas laughed. Wait. <laughs> I get it. Of crows, right? What's that? A murder of crows. I, I heard that somewhere. Not a people murder, but crow murder. The cop shrugged tiredly. No, you had it right the first time. Thomas gazed up at the cop, waiting for the punchline, which didn't come. Okay, he said sheepishly. My mistake. The young cop gestured behind him. That's why I stop travelers. Murder town. It's, uh, kind of a crazy place. Built on Indian land way back in the day, and somehow the law never changed. Law? Thomas asked, then suppressed another laugh. About murder? That's right. Everyone who goes there gets one free murder. Absolutely legal, 
not prosecutable. His grip tightened on the wheel. You're saying I might get murdered if I go there. No, no, said the cop, as though Thomas were the ridiculous one. If you go there, then you have to kill someone. So don't enter unless you really need to. Thomas tried to meet the policeman's eyes, but the darn sunglasses kept him from it. This is a joke, right? The cop straightened. It's not a joke. I sit out here every other day and every third night, keeping people from going in there. The population's exactly even, and that's how it has to stay. Thomas wondered what happened on the cop's days off, but didn't say so. I know it's a little strange, but I tell you this for your own safety. A little? Well, I need gas, Thomas said. There's a Chevron on La Paz, a Texaco just past the War Memorial. That's maybe six miles. Can you make it? I suppose. All right. Just turn around here and have a good afternoon. Thomas nodded and sat there in silence. He waited for the policeman to go back to his car. It was a huge four-wheel drive SUV, and then turned the key. Unfortunately, the engine was already going, and the grinding sound sent Thomas's teeth on edge. Whoops. He started to drive forward, fully intending on turning around on the country road and making his way back to Hemet. But he didn't. He drove on, just a little more, nearing a sign and reading it as he went past. Now entering Murder Town, C.A. Population 1,000. Do unto others. Please act humanely. Of course, that sign didn't mean the crazy story was true, and Thomas knew that do unto others wasn't supposed to be ominous at all. But he hadn't turned back. He was there now at the point of no return. Two old men sat on the porch of the first house on the left. They eyed him suspiciously, but neither one was armed. Next to them, a little girl was playing in a sprinkler, but froze when she saw Thomas's car pass by. He blinked. It did look like the child was afraid. The cop's story was preposterous, though. Murder wasn't like gambling or prostitution or a lower drinking age. Local jurisdiction, local jurisdiction couldn't possibly mean anything as far as the law went, no matter what psychotic traditions they might have once had there. The gas station was just ahead, on his right. He pulled off and headed toward the pumps. Gas was nearly five dollars a gallon here. He actually considered turning right around and leaving, but he was kind of committed now. Not committed to murdering anyone, but to getting at least a couple gallons of gas. He pulled up to the ancient-looking pump, his gas low light on his dashboard glowing orange. He killed the engine and popped the cap cover. From the gas station, a boy emerged, maybe twelve, maybe ten. He put his hands up in a don't-shoot gesture. Regular or premium? he asked. Thomas raised his brow. I haven't seen full service since I was a kid. I was just joking, the boy said. We only have unleaded. Thomas sighed and nodded at the youth. Go ahead, fill her up. 
the boy gave him a thumbs up. He went back, unscrewed the cap, and put in the nozzle. You didn't even have to swipe a credit card or anything. Just turn it on. Also something Thomas hadn't seen since his youth. So, you know anybody here in town? asked the boy. He had retrieved a squeegee and was now reaching to get the whole windshield scrubbed down. In murder town? Thomas clarified with a grin. No. You know who you're going to kill? The boy asked, with no hint of a smile. The man stared at the boy. I guess I thought this whole killing thing was a joke. I don't plan to kill anybody. He nearly added, sorry to disappoint you, but decided not to. Oh, but you've gotta. There's a rule. Nobody can leave unless they... Shoot someone? I don't have a gun. Oh, the boy said. You don't gotta shoot him. You can stab him or choke or smother him with a pillow. You can even use your car if you want. Well, I don't want. The boy thought about it. Um, there's poison. That's pretty good. Or there's a bunch of rocks on the side of the station. People have used them before. Hey, kid, I don't want to murder anybody. For good measure, he threw in a solid shake of the head. Then why did you come here? The boy seemed honestly puzzled. I... I guess I didn't believe it. I still don't. You can't leave, mister, unless you do it. There are a couple of sick people at the winding edge, by the reservoir. You could do one of them, and it wouldn't be so bad. So bad, repeated Thomas, shocked at how reasonable the kid was sounding. How many people have you killed? Well, none, he answered. But I don't want to leave here. Of course not. Not when any stranger can come in here and blow you away with absolutely no consequences. But how could that be? Spoken aloud, it wasn't even funny. Just ludicrous. My dad got shot like that, the boy said. He didn't die, though. The man's gun didn't work after the first shot. And that was all right with you? With the people in this town? No. Well, I don't know. The boy glanced at the gas nozzle, which had filled up the tank, and had stopped. He didn't move, though. Look, it's a hard-to-understand rule, but that's how it is here. There's a lady with cancer who runs the video store. She wouldn't mind if you chose her. No, she wouldn't mind, Thomas thought. Of course not. And who still ran a video store? The boy removed the dispenser, put it back on the pump, and closed up the tank cover on the car. Thomas pulled out his wallet. I don't suppose you take MasterCard? No, the boy said apologetically. We take Visa, though. He gave the card to the youth and waited while he ran into the station to run the charge. He wondered what the rest of the laws were like in this crazy town. If murder was legal, how about driving off without paying for gas? Of course, that might get you shot, even in a small town in regular America. A moment later, someone behind him cleared his throat. A middle-aged man with graying temples stood there beside the car. 
He wore overalls and had leather gloves stuffed into his pockets. Hey there. Hello, Thomas said awkwardly. You a local then? That's right. Been in murder town nearly forty years. Uh-huh, Thomas said, stifling a grin. The name sounded sillier every time he heard it. Is there a, say, orgy city somewhere around here that you know of? Nothing comes to mind. City of Orange is about an hour away. Forget it. Bad joke, muttered Thomas. But the farmer had business to discuss. You, uh, pick somebody yet, stranger? Thomas glared at him. What? To kill? The farmer nodded. You could do worse than to pick my son, Jesse. He's sixteen. Don't like girls. Thomas didn't attempt to cover his horror. Thanks, but no thanks. The boy came out with a receipt in his hand. He addressed the farmer. What did he say, Big Jess? Said no. Okay, then, said the boy, which was apparently code for go away. He gave Thomas the receipt and credit card back. How long are you staying? Why? Thomas asked, afraid of the answer. I could wash your car for you. Only customer today. Thomas chuckled. Or almost did. Thanks, but I'm not staying. I have an appointment in Hemet. Is Hemet nice? I don't believe so. The boy nodded and took a step back, as if to show his work was done. He was a likable kid. Thomas hoped none of the crazies in town took a shot at him. What's your name? Gino. Gino, can I ask you something? Sure, the boy said. You think you'll kill a person then, one day? Yeah, probably. When I'm older. Got no... what's the word? Motive to right now. Motivation? Uh-huh, Gino said. Thought about it with a couple people before, but didn't do anything. That's good to hear. So, thanks for the fill-up, friend, Thomas said, and started the engine. The farmer was standing at the end of the sidewalk, waiting for Thomas like he wanted a handout. Thomas made a shooting gesture at him with his thumb and forefinger, and pulled out of the gas station's lot and onto the main drag. As he drove, he saw what a pretty little town it was, with well-cared-for lawns and clean sidewalks. Murder town, he muttered. On his right, a woman came running out of her house, trying to flag him down. She was about six months pregnant. He drove another half-block, then did a U-turn in the middle of the street. He was leaving. To his surprise, the pregnant woman had run into the road also, and ran into his lane. She laid down on the asphalt right in his path. Thomas swerved, going around her, and kept on driving. As soon as he was out of town, the policeman was behind him again, lights flashing. He considered just flooring it, seeing if he could outrun him, but he didn't know the area and thought better of it. Besides, his car was a 2003 Saturn and wasn't capable of light speed, despite the name. Thomas sighed and pulled to the side of the road, not far from where he'd pulled over the first time. 
He knew what was coming. But a part of him hoped the cop would turn out to be the host of a reality show, and he'd find out this had all been an elaborate prank. Awfully short visit, the policeman said, no smile on his face, or his eyes as he'd removed the sunglasses. Just needed gas. You manage anything else in town? Thomas sighed. What? Like homicide? Legal homicide, yes. And required once you come into town. I'm not a killer. It was a reasonable statement that should have been thoroughly unnecessary. Then you shouldn't have gone in there. I warned you. Why would any town have that tradition? He asked the cop, exasperated. It's not a tradition. It's the law. Look, just now, a lady threw herself down on the road back there, wanted me to run her over. A nod. Is she still there? We could go back. Dude, she was pregnant. I see, said the cop, bobbing his head, as though that explained why Thomas hadn't done it. If she'd just been a regular lady, on the other hand. Thomas tried to reason with him. None of this makes any sense. You get me. A lot in this world makes little sense, the policeman said. A lot in this world makes little sense, the policeman said, a bit like a dad on an old TV show. But I made it clear you were not to go into town unless you were willing to kill somebody. That's how it is. You could go back and live there. That's an acceptable alternative. Thomas only shook his head. The cop all but growled. It's the name of the city. How much clearer can we be? I didn't believe you, Thomas all but shouted, losing his temper. How could I have thought you were serious? I still can't. Do I look like the joking type? The policeman removed something from his belt. It was a pistol. Thomas's saliva dried in his mouth. Mister, I suggest you turn your car around and do your duty. Quick as you can. Thomas couldn't say anything to that. Somehow he'd driven into opposite land when law enforcement was demanding he commit a crime. The cop handed Thomas the gun, the barrel pointed at his own stomach. Again, he said, if you enter Murder Town, you have to kill someone before you can leave. That is the law. Thomas held the gun like it was a dead rat. It's a stupid law. The cop shrugged. No one is around. You gonna use that or not? I... <laughs> this was totally insane. But when in Rome... Oh, you want me to shoot you? He asked the cop. The very young cop. No. But when you're in town, you have to kill somebody. The pistol was heavy in his hand. Wait. I did. I, I did kill someone. That pregnant woman in the road. I, I, I sort of whacked her with my car. I, I didn't want to do it, but... Ruan Coleman. You drove around her. I was told as soon as it happened. Thomas sighed. He had never even punched someone in high school. And here he was, leveling a gun at a police officer. Well? asked the cop. 
It sounded like a challenge. Last chance, mister, Thomas said, his finger on the trigger. Close enough he couldn't possibly miss. You sure about this? He felt a bit like Dirty Harry. Tourists, the cop said, zero fear in his eyes. So Thomas pulled the trigger. And nothing happened. He tried it again. The gun clicked, but the chamber was empty. You're not in murder town anymore, the cop said, a big hunting knife in his hand. As he slid it sharply across Thomas's throat, he made a disappointed sound. Stupid law, now that you mention it. Thomas made no sound at all. The end. Okay, well, there you go. Murder Town, one mile. I'm not sure what to say about this. Did I mention before that I thought that I had already done an episode about this, or at least published it? So I wrote it in 2013, and in 2013 I had emailed Gino Moretto, thank you, and said, hey, I'm, I've got a story that I'm writing called Murder Town. And what I'd like for cover art is a sign, like one, a green road sign that says like Murder Town Next Exit or Murder Town One Mile or something like that. And I had created a temporary cover for it where I had just taken a photograph of a street sign and altered the name of the town on it. And it, uh, it looked really crappy, but I sent it to Gino. And it may have been the first time that I ever did that, a mock-up of what I wanted. And that's something that I tend to do a lot. Like, I'll even do it with Big Anklevich. With him, he's got access to, like, thousands of fonts. And so a lot of times what I'll do is I will send Big the image that I want for the cover and then a version where I have put the name of the story and my name basically where I want it. And then I send it to Big and say, hey, will you do this? But so it doesn't look like crap. And I recognize that fully half of the covers of my work that's out there do look like crap because they're the ones that I did myself. And I'm extraordinarily limited when it comes to being able to do cover art for myself. It is just one of my weaknesses. And I tried. On a story just this month, Big says, here's what you do, is you go to this website, and it has thousands of fonts or hundreds of fonts, and choose the font that you like, and download it, and then you do the title in that font. And I tried to. I downloaded the font and then I just couldn't find it when I tried to put the font on the title. He ended up doing it for me. I, I told him the name of the font, and it took him probably less than five minutes. But, but you know, I, mean, I, I want to be independent. I want to be able to do this stuff myself, but I recognize that I can't. You think you can do these things, Nemo, but you just can't. You think you can do these things, but you can't, Nemo! So in 2013, I sent Gino this email. 
I know because I looked for it today. And in 2017, I got an email back from Gina that said, uh, it's a little late, but here's that cover you asked me for. And he sent me the cover that I had asked for. And it's fine. It, I, I don't, I'm not angry. I'm not mocking him or anything like that. It was just, it was a long time later. But here we are in 2021 and I'm finally publishing the story. I really thought that I had done it. But I did a search today, Rish Outfield Murder Town, on Amazon, and there was nothing, so I, I didn't do it. So, so yesterday, I sat down and I recorded the story. And it's this idea that I had. Uh, my uncle moved to Hemet, California, and it's out there by Palm Springs. It's in the desert. It was this really remote place that he moved to intentionally, like a place that was out of the way. Uh, where I suppose a lot of people who have retired move. It's a place that doesn't get cold. Like I said, it's in the desert. And when I when he first moved out there and I went to visit him a couple of times, or stayed at his house, depends on how you interpret it, I was shocked to discover that there were two video stores, two working video stores in Hammett, California. Surely one of them has closed by now. But in 2012, 2013, video stores were, they were a thing of the past. And so if two of them existed in 2013, I think two, one of them might still exist today. Anyhow, <laughs> I went to San Diego Comic-Con that summer, let's say it was 2013, and I was coming back from San Diego and I, tr I got off on the exit of the freeway that said Hemet. It was Hemet, like 22 miles or something like that. And I got off on that exit and I got hopelessly lost. Not just like, oh, I should have found it by now, but like, I don't know where I am. I looked around and I felt like somehow I had crossed the Mexican border and I was in Mexico. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I didn't know who to ask uh, or, you know, what to do. I just kept driving and getting more and more lost hoping that I would find signs, signs that told me at least if I was near to Hemet. And ultimately I saw, a, I saw a cop car. It said sheriff's office on it. And I pulled up and waved to the guy and said, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to find Hemet. And he's like, Hemet? Why didn't you pass it? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, he says, it's on the, the road. You just came down. Anyway, I just I, I asked him for directions. He told me to turn around and go back the way I'd come. And uh, and I ultimately did find Hemet. I had called my uncle three or four times, I think. Uh, and it just rang and rang. And, uh, then he called me back as I was finding my way back to you, babe. And a burning love inside, I let it get away. No. Anyway, yeah, he called once I had found the town. But I, I liked the idea. Uh, and I, uh, you know me. And maybe you don't, but get to know me. Dear John, if I met you, I was nothing, nowhere, nobody. I love, one of the things that I love to write about more than anything is a town uh, where 
they have like a strange custom or tradition or superstition uh, in that little town. And I've written, I don't know, eight stories like that. And I, I, hopefully, I, I, if, if I live long enough, I would like to write eight more. I just really, really enjoy that, the idea of that, of a little town, you know, inspired by Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, right? Uh, a little town that has its own odd or super dark or unusual custom, and an outsider goes there and they discover what it is. So, so yeah, there, there you go. I, in reading this story yesterday, I couldn't remember exactly how it ended. I don't, I, I'm not pleased with the ending, actually. I'm much, much more pleased with the idea of this town where murder is mandatory. But, yeah, the, the final result is not thrilling to me that much. Maybe I should ask you guys how you feel like the story should have ended. <laughs> Sorry. My laptop just fell over. Yesterday I had a bag of trail mix. It's like one of those great big two-pound bags that cost, well, they cost way too much. And it was on my passenger seat and the light turned yellow and I was going to go for it and then I thought, no, I'm going to stop. I stopped before the light turned red, but I stopped abruptly enough that the bag of trail mix tipped over and dumped all over the floor, which probably wouldn't have happened if I just sped through the red light. Shoot, that's not what I was talking about. I, I've already forgot. Oh, the ending of Murder Town. So. Like I said, I don't, I'm not thrilled with the way that I chose to end it. I, I had other ideas. I, I, I like the moment where he says, oh, the, the lady that, that was lying in the road, I, I hit her with my car. I, I you know, there are, there are a number of different ways that a story like this could go and a number of endings that the story could have and I don't think that I chose the best one. And so maybe there's a guy in a convertible Mustang right there revving his engine and he's got the top down in winter. Yeah, you, you know what it's, I was going to suggest about that guy. I, I, it doesn't even require my saying so. Third time I'm going to try this. Maybe you could give me suggestions of how the, the story could have ended. I mean, if you had written it, how would you have ended the story? And I don't know. The, the, the kid saying that he, he's never killed anybody because he doesn't want to leave doesn't make any sense to me. Because if, if the population has to stay the same, then you wouldn't have to leave if you killed somebody. Somebody new would have to come into town. And the pregnant lady is presumably going to add another person to the population. But I suppose there might be people who are elderly and ill that are going to die anyway. 
And maybe I'm overthinking this, but at the same time, I feel like I didn't think about it enough. So the boy doesn't want to leave town. Plus, he's a boy. Maybe he's saving his one kill in his back pocket. You know, he's saving it up. There are people that anger him. There are people that pick on him or something like that. But as long as he hasn't gotten his kill in, there's a world of possibilities for him. Uh, Once you have killed somebody, I guess you can just go out into the world. Uh, It's a a rite of passage in a way. I, I, I don't want to write another story set in this place. But I feel like maybe there is enough to the story, enough merely to the idea of a town where the population has to stay exactly the same, that you could write another story about it. But then, yeah, I didn't really examine the yeah, that part where the, the dad wants, is it Tom, to pick his son is pretty gross. If you were a townsperson like the boy at the gas station who had never killed anybody, would you not be approached by other members of the town that say, hey, if, if you haven't killed anybody yet, might I suggest, or I have a thousand dollars if you happen to pick my brother-in-law, you know, I, I, I don't know. The, oh, shoot, I keep saying that. Well... Let me just move on. But like I said, in the comments, feel free to tell me how you would have ended it. And um, yeah, don't be surprised if I just steal your idea and and use it in a future story. I I do really enjoy that, the, the idea of the town tradition. Something that they do here every year or something that they believe in every year or, so you know, that kind of stuff. The Wicker Man, that sort of thing. I guess Midsummer is a pretty good example of that. And uh, yeah, the lottery. Um, I, I've written a couple of stories. Uh, Overtaken was one where I did that. I, I, in 2020, I wrote a story called Alarming that I considered recording last night after I finished with Murder Town and I didn't do it. Uh, and then in looking over Alarming just now, uh, yeah, it's, I'm not ever going to do that. But, you know, there there are these ideas. Oh, I, I wrote another one in 2020 uh, about the town where Halloween decorations were forbidden. Where, where you know, the, it was against the law to celebrate Halloween there. And that story, I believe, is called Underdecorated. And, yeah, I'd be happy to share that on the show one day, uh, I haven't done an audio of it. I, I feel like I need to sit down and go through it one more time. That's another one of those stories where it's... When I first started writing it, it was a teen boy and his little sister were the main characters. And then I changed my mind and it became a teen girl and her little brother. And I regret that. After writing or after doing the audiobook for My Friend of Misery, which is about a teen girl and her little brother, I wished that I had stuck with the teen boy and his little sister. But what's done is done. 
that story is finished. And I, I, I haven't looked at it since I finished it, but I have a suspicion that it is, it is better than Murder Town, One Mile. So that's something to look forward to, maybe. Like I said at the very, very beginning, this is a short episode. Don't hold it against me if you're able. I will try and, and bring you something longer next time. But um, thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with me and my headache. Feel free to... Here's something. You could recommend either movies or stories. Stories probably where there is something like that. The thing that I like with the, the little town with its its tradition. Uh, I would really enjoy reading more of those. I wonder, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery is not public domain, right? I feel like that was something that was written in the 50s. But I don't know. I could look it up. Once again, thank you. And be careful in your travels. Because any town, under the right circumstances, could be murder town. Good night. Greetings. This is fake Sean Connery. You know what scares me? Besides the unholy amount of work Rish puts into these fruitless, interminable episodes of his, that he does it all under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license, which makes the episodes free to listen to, download, and spread around. Oh, the license does forbid changing the files, or selling them, or claiming them for your own, but that's little comfort when I'm trying to get some sleep and Rish is over there clicking away like a madman, cutting out ums and snorts and you knows and the profanities he screams at passing vehicles. He's not alone, though. The music in this episode was also produced under a Creative Commons license by one Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And... I suggest you consider going to www.patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield to support the show if you would like to encourage more of this madness. Murder Town, Murder Town, we're going down to Murder Town. Weird, my uh, microphone is swinging against, uh, away from me. Maybe I need to brush my teeth, huh? Maybe in his mind, we really were buddies. I don't know. I, don't, I misspelled them. Wouldn't be one of my stories if I didn't say the boy a couple of times. Are those... Uh, something's dead. Finally, the man called the boy... Finally, the man called the boy... Finally... The man called the boy a name and touched him. God damn it. And tossed him his book. Finally, the man called the boy a name and tossed him his book of matches. And tossed him his box of matches. He wailed, blowing snot from one nostril. Not to the other. That's gross. Blowing snot from one nostril, then the other, onto the ground. I reached the backyard and saw Archie just getting to the little fence that marched the edge of our pockardy. I reached the backyard 
and saw Archie just getting to the little fence that marched the edge of our property. Damn it! I reached the backyard and saw Archie just getting to the little fence that marked the edge of our property. But the boy had pressed a trishka. But the boy had pushed a tricycle up against the fence. But the boy had pushed a tricycle up against the fence. But the boy had pushed a tricycle up against the fence and used it to boost himself up and over the top. I was really sure that I had put this episode out. And I didn't. I, I had never done so. Weird. Where is the clicker? Doesn't seem to be in my pocket. Well, if it's not in my pocket, where is it? It's got to be in my pocket. It's got to be. Shit, it's not. What? Is it possible I grabbed my keys and then didn't bring them out to the car? Wouldn't I have just had the foresight to put them in my pocket? Okay, I grabbed my mask. I grabbed my sunglasses, grabbed my laptop, grabbed my recorder, grabbed my drink. That may just have been too much stuff. Got a headache. It's not a terrible one. It's not like going to incapacitate me. Okay, I don't know why I'm even here. I don't have the keys. I heard voices from down the way. Would you stop making mouth noises, please? Somewhere. An owl was hooting. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It's it's not. <laughs>